Hello, and thank you for joining me in this podcast from the Bethesda Missionary Baptist Church of David Street, where our pastor is Pastor Edward Holly. My name is Deacon Marvin Jackie Bowie, and I will be bringing to you the Lesson 8, October 25th of the year of our Lord, 2020, from the Unit 2, Inclusive Love. And the day's lesson text is entitled, The Most Excellent Way. Our devotional reading is coming from Romans, the 12th chapter, the 9th through the 21st verses. Our background scripture will be coming from the 1st Corinthians, 12th chapter, the 27th verse through the 14th chapter in the 1st verse. Our printed passage is going to be coming from 1st Corinthians, the 13th chapter, the 1st through the 13th verses. Our key verse reads as follows, Now abideth faith hope, charity, these three, but the greatest of these is charity. And as we look at the word charity, in most cases, we're going to be substituting it for love. Charity is also meaning love. Today's lesson aim as a result of experiencing this lesson, you should be able to do these following things. Uh, Define Paul's understanding of love as the apex of the spirit-led life the most excellent way also to appreciate love as a motivation to share your God-given gifts. Also to act in love when sharing your God-given gifts. But before we get started, I'm going to lead us off in a word of prayer. Eternal God, our Father, Thou who art from everlasting to everlasting, we ask, O kind Heavenly Father, that you let us down into your storehouse of wisdom and knowledge that we might imposturate, impart your indulterated gospel, that a fool might not err and a blind man might find a way. We pray today, O kind Heavenly Father, that you will make your word plain and clear, that we might have a clear understanding of what we you have us to do with our lives, O kind Father. Continue to go with us and can by us. Continue to bless and keep us. And we'll be careful to give your name, glory, honor, and praise. We pray, O oh, today, O oh, kind Heavenly Father, that you touch each and every individual under the sound of my weak voice. And pray, O oh, kind Heavenly Father, a special blessing upon their lives. Continue to keep your strong arm of protection around them. Show mercy and grace, realizing your grace is sufficient. We pray today, O oh, kind Heavenly Father that you bless the Bethesda Missionary Baptist Church family in a special way that one might not fall without the other and give us that type of love that you talked about in your lesson today that flows from heart to heart and from breast to breath. In Jesus' name, I pray these things. Amen. In our lesson today, we're going to be broken down into, uh, I, I believe it's three outlines, the first being the necessity of love, and it's going to cover 1 Corinthians 13 chapters of 1st through the 13th verses. Uh, the second outline is the character of love, which is going to cover 1 Corinthians 13th chapter of 4th through the 7th verses. And the last and final outline, the permanency of love, and that's going to cover 1 Corinthians the 13th chapter 8th through the 13th verses. And as we look at today's lesson text, we should glean from this lesson because it's very important that we live our lives in true Christian love. The, the scriptures tell us 
you should know my people by the love they show one for another. So as we show love one for another throughout this Christian community, people will see that and want to be a part of that. But uh, let's get into our biblical context. Our biblical context reads as follows. 1 Corinthians 13 is best understood as the bridge between Paul's discussion of the bestowal receipt and interrelationists of spiritual gifts and his specific instructions on the use of two of these gifts, prophecies and language. Amongst the spiritual challenges the church in Corinth was dealing with was the appropriate understanding of what spiritual gift was in their purpose. This church, according to Paul, did not come short in any spiritual gifts, but those possessing them were abusing them to the point of causing division amongst the congregation. Members were categorizing and rating their gifts as some being superior to those that others members had been given. Paul's solution was to focus their attention on the greatest and most enduring of all gifts, the gift of love, agape. Their exercising their gifts without the gift of love rendered them ineffective, failed to edify or build up each other, and rob God of his glory as the supreme giver, gift giver. So as we look at today's lesson text, we would come to the conclusion that our gift is given to us for a reason, not to edify ourselves, but the edification of the body of Christ. See, we sometimes glory in our own uh, greatness. or We think we endow because we have been blessed with special things, but those special things that the God has blessed you with are for the edification of the body of Christ. Now, the, uh, the author of this letter, he's going to reinforce what love is and does, but never how it feels. So, and as we prepare to teach the word about love in 1 Corinthians 13, he's sharing the context of spiritual gifts and how to live together as the body of Christ. And there were some people in the church in Corinth who was claiming that their spiritual gift was better than others. Uh, Corinthians 13 holds up love as the idea and teaches that love should motivate and permeate all good acts towards one another. As we look at the setting here, after Paul had established the church in Corinth, he continued his missionary work. And he wrote 1 Corinthians from Ephesus from the, before the Feast of the Pentecost, probably in the spring of about A.D. 54. Though he desired to spend more time with the Corinthians, his missionary work would not allow him to do so. Therefore, he sent Timothy to minister on his behalf. Now, Timothy was sent to communicate the Pauline way to the church, which means he would relay Paul's teaching and moral instructions on certain matters. Paul undoubtedly hoped that Timothy could resolve some of the problems troubling the church. But upon hearing reports from friends and other sources in Corinth, Paul sat down and wrote what we know today as 1 Corinthians. 
Now, as we look at the historic setting, the city was historically Greek. It maintained most of those religious and philosophy ties from Mark. But originally, the city of Corinth had a two-part history. As a Greek state, city-state, it flourished before and after the golden years of Athens in the 5th century. It was during the century that it came into conflict with Rome and was destroyed by the Roman consul. The site of the old city lay dormant until it was reconstructed by Julius Caesar as a Roman colony in about 44 BC. Prosperity returned to the city almost immediately as the Corinth quickly experienced a great influx of people from both the west and the east, along with all the attention tenant gain and the ills of such growth. Now, from the West, the dominant Romans brought with them their culture and religion. However, since the city was historically under Greek influence, it maintained most of those ties, the religious and the, the philosophical ties. We know the Greeks had Aristotle and Socrates, and they were great minds. And and the art, and from the east came the mystery of the cults of the Egyptians, of Egypt and uh, Asia and the Jews, with their synagogues and their peculiar beliefs in a single God. As is typically the case in such places, you know, they're going to bring their vices with them, and the religious flourish, they came side by side. Old Corinth had gained such a reputation for sexual vices that the verb, Corinthosuso, which is the act to act like a Corinthian, was understood to mean to commit fornication. Corinth was also the home to at least 26 different sacred places devoted to many gods. Corinth was a diverse city of Jews, Greeks, both slaves and free was also a city in which Christianity was not the dominant religion. When Paul arrived in Corinth, his problem was not that the Corinthians did not have a religion. His problem was they were unfamiliar with the Christian religion. Before he could teach the Christian faith to them, he had to teach the false religion out of them. His antidote to what plagued the Christian Corinthians church would be his understanding of Christian love, a love that guides and determines how Corinthians should treat one another. Now, as we look at the lesson, the purpose of chapter 13 is to portray love as essential to the Christian life. We as Christians must live in love, the love that must govern the exercise of the gifts of the Spirit. We can't boast because we can sing better than one or we can uh, teach better than one or we can preach better than one. Pastors say all the time, the first thing a person say, well, how did I sound? Or this, that, or the other. It's not about you. It's about your gift being used for the edification of the glory of God. Let all that you do be done in love. The purpose of chapter 13 is to highlight an ethical concern of how Christians treat one another in the household of God and in the larger world. Paul is interested in character formation, not flowery speech, and in sincere, insincere gestures. 
Throughout this love chapter, he offers a positive model for the construction of behavior. His emphasis is not on what we say, but what we do. Love is the principle of Christian social unity that Paul urges on the Corinthians. So we as believers today, we must focus our attention on what motivates us to love one another, not more so the gifts we have that we bring and we offer to the church, but the love we share for one another in portraying those gifts, therefore the body of Christ be edified. First, Paul does not write about love in order to debunk the tongues and other spiritual gifts. His point is not that love should supersede spiritual gifts, but that it should govern the use in the church. Love is not a better or higher gift. It is a way, a matter of life in which all gifts are to find their proper place. Second, love is not merely a good feeling or an attitude. Rather, love is the genetic name for specific actions of patience and costly service to others. So if you love, you should love one another and you should be able to be willing to serve one another. Love is not an abstract quality or even an idea for Paul. It is a behavior. To love is to act. Anything short of action is not love at all. Love is the motive power that sent Paul over land and sea to preach to others the unsearchable riches of Jesus Christ. Love is the inner power that sustained him in the midst of all his labor, his burdens, his trials, his suffering, and his persecution. It was love that enabled him to rise above and eventually master hunger and hardship, false friends and bitter foes, bodily infirmities and dangers of death. His great joys and ability, his high and holy office, his exalted position in the church, and his astounding success, all of them are what they are and what they came to be because of his love. We cannot understand Paul unless we understand the motive factor behind his faith was love, his agape love. Sister Holly, as she brought the message there on Women's Day, she gave us a picture of what love does and what love is, not what it feels like. She told us Christ didn't come down from that cross, although he could. Those nails didn't, in his hands didn't keep him up there. Those nails in his feet didn't keep him up there. But the love he had for you and I is what kept him on that cross. And if we are going to be Christ-like as Christians, we have to portray that type of love. No gift is given for the sake of the individual self-indulgent or self-aggressiveness. There is no gift which does not bring with it a special responsibility for service to others. Love is made manifest through our actions, and we have all been given gifts by God with some ability to help our fellow human beings. 1 Corinthians 13 is primarily about living in Christian community in a way that glorifies God, and that is by leaning or learning to treat other members of Christ's body the way God has treated us, with self-sacrificing and other-oriented love. <clears throat> we as Christians, the way people know who we are is the love we show one for another. Paul the lesson 
background is Paul's argument on spiritual gifts. See, owing to the exhaust nature of the purpose in chapter 13, we realize that Paul was all about portraying what we should do in our Christian walk. As Christian people, we as Christians should walk in the belief in faith that God has ordained us to serve one another. So as we begin to look at this day's lesson and bring it home, we have to realize Paul set out to put their zeal for tongue within a broader ethnical context. The context in love for others over against self-interest. See, we have to love one another rather than puffing ourselves up. We like to exhaust ourselves. Uh, it's me, my, I, and what I did to glorify or bring betterment to the church. It's not about that. Paul wanted the Christians, uh, Corinthians, to know that love provides <clears throat> the scale by which other gifts may be tested and measured. And love is also the means by which the unity of the body is maintained. Paul makes this argument for a change in the Corinthian behavior. So if we're not acting out of love, if we're doing anything for self-worth and self-gain, then we're doing it for the wrong reason. And as we look at the lesson text today, Paul is going to hammer all those things home. He's going to hammer those things home. Therefore, this church in Corinth that he had established through love and his commitment that they might not err in their way. And we err in our way because we want to glorify ourselves. We want people to look up to us. And, and because of that, we get in God's way. We take God's glory. And that's not the purpose of a Christian. A Christian, we are God's representatives here on earth. So if we're going to be God's representative, uh, if we're going to be an ambassador for Christ, we don't have anything to say on our own behalf. We have to speak on Christ's behalf. Because he have gifted you in order that he might be glorified. Not that you might be glorified. So let's look at today's lesson text. And the first outline we're going to look at is the necessity of love. 1 Corinthians 13 chapter, the first through the third verses. And it reads as follows. Though I speak with the tongue of men and of angels and have not charity or love, I am become as sounding brass or a tingling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mystery and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not charity or love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity or love, it profits me nothing. So what is Paul trying to say to us? Priority of love over gifts. Gifts without love are useless. Gifts most prized by the Corinthians. See, they thought some gifts were more special than others. In this 
create instruments that make an annoying, uh, rat, uh, an irrational sound if they do not have love within them. Like a brass cymbal sounding out, it's talking loud, ain't saying nothing because you, you, you're trying to get self-glorified. So people can see that within you. If you're trying to bring glory to you rather than bring glory to God, we try the spirit by the spirit. And if, if people don't see the, the spirit of God coming out of you, then what touch reaches out, touches the spirit, what comes from the spirit is always going to touch the spirit. Paul asserted that the church speaking with tongue but not practicing love is, uh, is meaningless. It, it, it don't have any, any, any worth. It widened its perspective in three of, of the gifts, prophecy, knowledge, and faith. Gift of special faith for mighty works. Even if one embraced the whole range of charismatic gifts, he or she at the time, I love a mere, merely being the wrong hurt of one to whom it is done, but especially because of a, of God. See, we sometimes want to glorify ourselves. We want to puff ourselves up. We, we, we think we all that. But even if one embraced the whole range of charismatic gifts, he or she at the same time, God who remained the same is, is the same from endless time. So we, it's not about us. It's about glorifying God. It's not about lifting ourselves up. Love is not merely because the wrong hurt one whom it is done by, but especially because God is displeased with the wrong. See, we in our own selves, within ourselves, we can't do anything. But through God, all is glorified. See, his presence allows us to, to push forward. It push forward in grace and in mercy and in love. But if we're not pushing forth in that mercy and in that grace and that love, we're like brass symbols. We, we, we're making a lot of noise. Paul said that then in the sight of God, the persons would be nothing. In verse 3, Paul offers the example of great personal fire gifts. He, 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 God's warned that people may, may give up to secure a good reputation before others instead of for God's sake and for the love of their fellow human beings. And that's if we look at Matthew 6 and 2. See, our glory is not for our own sake. Our glory is for God and the sake of fellow human beings. He's gifted us that we might gift others with our gift. If such an action is not motivated by love, then it is of no benefit to the giver. It's no benefit, no benefit to God if you want to take that and glorify yourself. And it's not motivated by the love you have for God. Because yet when you was an enemy to him, he loved you. And he gave his son for, for you. So we don't have nothing to brag or boast on because... If truth be told, you don't have the righteousness that deserve to be glorified. Our righteousness is as filthy, dirty rags. So we don't have nothing to boast about. If I give you all the possessions, if you give all your possessions to the poor, 
and give over your body to hardship that I may boast, but not, but do not out of love, you gain nothing. This is what Paul is trying to get over to the Corinthian church because they're boasting about who gift was the best. Who, 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 and that's self-indulgent. That is not trying to glorify God. That's trying to glorify yourself. We're not in competition with one another. The race is not given to the swift. It's given to those who endure through this trials and tribulations of life. So Paul is trying to hammer home to the Corinthian churches, church that he had established out of love, that they, they were acting out in the wrong manner, in the wrong motivation. They were not motivated by what should have motivated them. And that's the love that they have. So let's look at the next outline. First Corinthians 13 chapter fourth through the seventh verses. And it's entitled the character of love. Char charity, which is love, suffer long and it's kind. Charity, love, envious not. Charity, love, vaunteth not itself. It's not puffed up. Does not behave itself unseemly. Seeks not her own. Is not easily provoked. Thinketh no evil, rejoices not in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Bear all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. So what is Paul trying to say to us here? Clearly, Paul finds it easier to answer questions about what love does rather than what does it not do, what it don't do. It said people who are activated by love are kind. People who are activated by love suffer long. People who are activated by love vaunt itself up. Don't uh, it is known it's knowledge puff up, but but love build up. See, sometimes we think we're so smart or so intelligent, and we look down our long spiritual nose on others because we can talk better or teach better or preach better or sing better. You, others might not be blessed with those gifts, but in blessing you is to edify the body of Christ because love is not rude. Everything he had heard about their behavior contradicted the character of Christian love. And do that sound like the Christian church today? Our character dictates what we're, we're representing. And if we're going to be ambassadors for Christ, how can we represent Christ in puffing ourselves up, boasting about ourselves, envying others, vaunting ourselves up, puffing ourselves up, behaving unseemly, seeking, not, uh, seeking our own, easily provoked, thinking about evil. See, those not a characteristic of Christ and is not a characteristic of love. Anything that is wrong in God's sight grieves a heart that is full of love, not merely because the wrong hurt the one to whom it is done, but especially because God is displeased with the wrong. If we want to please God, we have to do it out of love. God loves a cheerful giver. Instead of rejoicing over the wrong, love grieves over the wrong. Christians rejoice in the truth, which means that they embrace God's way of righteous living. The lack of Christian love 
in the Corinthian church resulted in division and self-centered behavior. Do that sound like the church today? When we get so self-centered and so it divides us, people can't stand, can't sit next to one another, can't stand one another. Paul wanted them to know that there's nothing base, nothing haughty in Christ and love. The love to which he was pointing to this divided church permanent no skepticism makes no seduction and does all things in sweet accord. So if we're going to bond ourselves in true Christian love and be on one accord, we have to do it in the spirit of love, in the spirit of unity. Now, after telling us what love is not, Paul ends this unit with four strong verbs that characterize positively the action of love. So as we see the action of love, we know what love can do. You know, the action of love tells us that the first thing it bears, which means protect. Love covers all over, all does not bring to light the sins of others. We so quick to run, tell somebody if we see somebody in their wrongdoing, but love don't, wouldn't provoke that. Love bears and endures. It puts up with much. It does not forsake people when life is heavy on them and one energy is taxed. It don't get down on them. You, you, you ever seen people just saying that's the straw that broke the camel back. A person could be going through something and if you beating up on them and somebody who they thought they could go to, the church, and the next thing they know, you done told Sue, Sally, and uh, Sarah, and and all everybody about their situation. And they came to you in true Christian love and in true Christian confidence. But hope, love, believe is the use of hope all things. That it is not suggested that Christian love is inclined to believe in probable or uh, ridiculous things. Love does not give way to cynicism and despair, but rather hope for the best since it looks to God who can forgive sin and grant new beginnings. Belief and hope do not exhaust in a vacuum. They are anchored in the promise of God. So when a person comes to us, we have to be willing to be anchored in God, to show true Christian love to put ourselves in their position. Their pain should be our pain. If belief, our belief and hope is that if God forgave us, that we should be able to give up, forgive others. And this is where the church falls short at. We want to judge one another. Rather than do it out of love, we want to judge one another. And that's not what God's plan is for his church. That was not what Paul had established in the Corinthian church. And pastors say a lot of times when IBM, when it first started making computers, they didn't want any typists. Only reason they didn't want typists because he had to unlearn them to learn them. See, we have to be unlearned of this sinful nature to be learned and it, it's a sad testimony but sometimes you can't teach old dogs new tricks 
So God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever should believe on him should not perish but have everlasting life. Such love. So we as Christians, if we're going to emulate Christ, then we have to show that kind of love. Love when it hurts to love. Love when it suffered long. Love when it, 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 it's, not, when it's not easily provoked. Love when it thinks no evil. Love when it rejoices not in an iniquity. Love when it rejoices just only in the truth, the truth gospel message. We have to be able to bear all things, believe that the hope we have in Christ is sufficient enough to take us through whatever journey we have to go through. So we as Christians have to be willing to show these characters of love. And therefore, we can show a dark world the light that shineth within the body of Christ. With that said, we're going to move into our last and final outline, the permanency of love. 1 Corinthians 13, chapter 8 through the 13th verse, and it reads as follow: Charity, love never faileth, but whether there be prophecy, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. When I was a child, I spake as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see through a glass, darkly. But then face to face, now I know in part. But then shall I know even as also I am known. And now abideth faith, hope, charity, these three but the greatest of these is charity, the permanency of love. Now, as we look at this, by, as we look at this by the opening affirmation, simply yet profound, love never fails. On the other hand, prophecy, tongues, and knowledge will all be brought to nothing in the end times. Prophecy, tongue, and knowledge will be one day be nullified and abolished by God himself. They will come to an end because they will no longer be necessary when the Lord returns and the fullness of his kingdom is present. These gifts of revelations are fitting for those who are living between the now and the not yet. But when the church must walk by faith, but at best they are only partial providing believers with a real but imperfect glimpse of God's future truth. When that which is complete comes, these partial instruments will no longer have any purpose and will be discarded by God who remains the same from endless age to endless age. So right now, these things have their purpose. But eventually, in God, in the fullness of God, when we meet God, those things have no purpose. They're between the now and the then. Mostly feelings much abound when 1 Corinthians 13 is read at weddings, 
and other occasions of significant in the lives of people we love, but it is hardly what is Paul intended in the writing of this chapter. He is on the attack to correct the behavior of the Corinthian Christians who thought that the most important attribute in a Christian life were the gifts of the spirit. The preeminence of love is not a gift by way. The way of love leads away from competition and self-exertion. The way of love departs from the jealousy, the boasting, the arrogant, the inconsideration, the characteristic that Christians, uh, Corinthians interaction with each other. The way of love transcends the pursuit of individual fulfillment and leads to true community. Love is about action. How a person live for the Lord and obey him and how a person live for others and serve them. Christians need not to be graced with any of the particular gifts listed in chapter 12 in order to be Christian and spiritual. What is indispensable for the Christian life is the faith, hope, and love. Faith has to do with the basis, the ground on which we stand. Hope is reaching forward for something to come. Love means being present in the here and now, acting in the interests of others. The situation in Corinth demanded love for God. The situation today demands the love for God, for one another and for ourselves. As we conclude, Paul wrote that love endures forever because in more corrupt Corinth, love had became a mixed up term with little meaning. God count, gifts count for little, while characters mean much. Many a gift individual, many a gifted individuals lack character. There's no real greatness of character without love. The Corinthians were placing the highest value on the wrong thing. The gift mattered less than the character of the person possessing. Loveless faith and loveless prophecy do great harm to our churches, our community, and to our world. Character rather than gifts counts with God. The warning from Paul was salutary, for the Corinthians were not only too apt to become engrossed with their own importance as evidence in such gifts as prophecy and the faith that could accomplish vulnerable wonders were forgiving the things that mattered most. Christian love is not demonstrated by how we feel or what we say, but rather what we do. Actions speak louder than words. How we treat one another matters in the eyes of God. And it continues to be the sign of deep faith that comes to visible expression in our daily lives. So as we look to the hills from whence cometh our help, our help cometh from the Lord. And our help is the fact that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever shall believe in him should not perish, but should have everlasting life. Our closing thought today is what characterized the environment of our congregation, the ministry of love or church activity, 
Love is the basic ingredient in Christian character. But as it was in Corinth, it is often the missing virtue. Diversity of spiritual gifts and right biblical doctrine can be present, but there are not, no substitute for agape love. There is a need to self-reflect and to return to our first love. Because God expects that everything we do be done in love, to include the use of a spiritual gift. Because of our salvation, we do not have to manufacture loves. We only need to share the love of God we have been given through the Holy Spirit. The challenge we must accept is to submit the ministry of the Holy Spirit in our lives and allow him to transform us daily into the image of Jesus Christ. As we look into your life, spiritual gifts are given to every believer who accept Jesus Christ by faith. These gifts are given to edify or build up the church for the purpose of partnering with God and his mission in the world. If you have not done so, discover your unique spiritual gift or gift and allow it them to be used in the spirit of love for God, predetermined purpose for your life. And as we look at our world, it is as obvious that the lyrics of the song, what the world needs now is love are appropriate and relevant to the condition of our world today. Hate is becoming more visible and physical and emotionally damaged than ever before. Sadly, among some Christian congregations, genuine love for one another appear be to be the missing virtue. The call to return to the follow, the most excellent way, is urged in the spiritual mission given to the church. It, and it is to be accomplished for the glory of God. Closing prayer. Dear God, forgive us for often missing the mark in demonstrating love in our relationship with one another. Help us to love genuinely and inclusive as we share the spiritual gift you have sovereignly and graciously given us. Heavenly Father, teach us how to love one another and how to act in the best interests of one another. Let the love you show for Christ Jesus be the love that we demonstrate in our lives every day. Help us to always to remember that actions speak louder than words. That has been our lesson text for today. Thank you for listening. May God bless you. May God keep you. May God love you. Thank you. This is Deacon Marvin Jackie Boy of the Bethesda Missionary Baptist Church. Thank you.